0: Hey, what's up? It's Emily, and I'm pretty sure that compassionate, coordinated healthcare is something on the top of everyone's mind. That is why I love Live by Advantia Health. From primary care to mental health and gynecology to obstetrics, Live understands these are all connected and important to you. Live is a membership based practice in the heart of DC that prioritizes your experience. Plus, Live accepts all major insurance. So take charge of your healthcare on your schedule and choose Live. Learn more and become a member by searching for Live by Advantia. L I V by Advantia.
1: Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago on another cloudy May morning. I have next to me the podfather of the great one, Doug Tonis. How you doing, brother?
2: I'm in the midst of an out-of-shape attack from running a single mile this morning. It's, <laughs> I've not, been it's there. not gone I've well. I've been there, too. Pandemic hitting hard. <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah, getting back on track. Just like our bulls, in the midst of an out- of- shape attack, trying to get back on track,
1: <laughs> I've been in that mist for like 10 years, by the way, and maybe maybe even longer. So it's been a while since our last show. I think the last time we recorded was before the the final, you know disappointing ending, which I think we all expected to see uh, in terms of the the bulls getting knocked out in five, and that's exactly what happened. But now, as we look in, you know, retrospect, we're gonna we're gonna go over this season. We're gonna give out some grades. As an aside, I've been off of Twitter, by the way. Did you know that, DT? Are you aware of this? Uh, I have not even opened up my Twitter app uh, since the Bulls' final game due to a lost bet with uh, Joe Collie of the Chicago Sun Times. Are you are you aware?
2: I'm aware that you made a really bad bet. I don't know what you were thinking there.
1: Was it looking that bad after game two when we won that game and Middleton was out? I think not. I thought it was looking actually kind of brilliant, but uh
2: Yeah. It I, turned out that way.
1: <laughs> it didn't turn out that way. Regardless, I feel free. Been it's been it's like a free feeling where I'm not tied to Twitter, Bulls Twitter. Uh, where I'm not getting angry every day, you know, I'll read something and I'll just like, well, what? What? you know, or something more onic that Mark says or some something, you know, where it gets me a little bit upset and I haven't had that feeling. So um, that's a good thing. But I do have spies out, members of Sea Red Nation, disciples, who have been sending me emails that I'll get to shortly. What have you been up to since the Bulls have been knocked out? I've been
2: following uh, not Sea Red Fred on Twitter, which is clearly not your burner account. I'm just kidding.
1: Who's the... <laughs> Just, just, just <laughs> That's a, just a great a name, by the way. No,
2: um, yeah, for me, honestly, uh, I've been trying to watch a little bit of the playoffs and uh, mostly I've been buried in studying for, you know, getting, getting my, my third degree for no reason except that I can, I guess.
1: Yep, we're both in uh, grad school. I'm going to, well, I'm taking a class at Kellogg Northwestern, uh, so it's been taking up both a lot of our time for both of us, so that explains why we haven't been pumping out shows, but here we are. And I do want to address an email I received. You ready for? All right, this? I'm PT? ready. I'd love to get your opinion. So I received an email asking me what I thought of K's comments on a recent pod. So I've been off of Twitter, you know, since last week, after we lost the bet, as I said, I haven't listened to one podcast since the Bulls were knocked out of the playoffs. So I have no idea if this is actually true. But according to the email, Mark said two things. Number one, Acme is thinking three to five years out, whatever the hell that means. And number two, we can't judge Acme on two years, only one year. Now, I can't say for sure again that Mark actually made these points, but those sure sound like the kind of, you know, exponentially moronic statements from one Mark from Australia, uh, the kind that he's kind of quasi-famous for, what say you, DT?
2: Well, you certainly can judge Acme for his two years, he's been here two years, the idea that he couldn't do anything in year one, like he knew nothing about any of these players and hadn't ever seen them before is, is is pretty ridiculous. So it's fine that he took a year to do whatever he wanted to do, like if he said, I want to take an evaluation year and do that, that's his choice, but you still judge him on that. Another GM might have come in and, and shaken things up immediately, uh, it doesn't make it a bad choice that he did that. But it was a choice; it wasn't something he had to do. He, he clearly could have done something else, and you know, clearly this second year he shook things up a lot. I don't know how you look at what he's done and say he's looking three to five years out, um, given that he he signed DeRozan. You know, who's was who's, who's great; it was a great signing. I'm not, not not saying it was a bad signing, but you know, it was three years, and and you probably expect the last year to decline and traded a ton of assets that would be really valuable in three to five years out to get Vucevic uh, for two and a half years. So I I, I mean, I don't understand how you could possibly make that assessment. You know, he clearly looked like he was looking. Well, it's Mark. Of course
1: you can. Looking. I I mean, I'd say
2: (laughs) starting from last year, he was looking at, you know, probably really a two year window last year and and, and this year and, and maybe next year. And, you know, I don't think he's completely throwing away the future. Like, he's not trading everything in the future, but his focus has clearly Close. been to win now, right? I mean, you, you traded a lot of long-term assets for short-term assets, so his, his focus has been to win now. I mean, he didn't dump Pat Williams at the deadline for Jeremy Grant, as an example, which seemed to be a move that was out there if, if he wanted to do it, which would have, you know, hurt the future timeline more. So, it's, it's not completely like that, but it is, um, I mean, definitely not his focus is in the future. I mean, like, like that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how you can think the focus mm-hmm. is the future.
1: Yeah. So, again, this email is from Timmy McDee. Thanks for uh, reporting what, what's out there, uh, why I'm on a hiatus here. So, again, do you believe Mark said that? Let's start out with that question. Yes or no? Do you think Mark Kay said that? I would say yes. It sounds like something, Mark. Uh, yeah. Said. I mean, I'd, what, I'd, what do you think? I, don't
2: think? I don't think our buddy would lie to us, right? I mean, yeah, no. there might. No, but It's it, possible there's it a little bit wrong, of missing you know, context or, or something, you know, like you could have said that and had, you know, some other context around it that <laughs> makes it make more sense. I mean, I don't want to take third hand yeah. someone else's description of what someone said without the, the context and then say it was awful. I mean, I don't I don't know the full thing, but I mean, I disagree with that one. St- those the, those two statements, I disagree with both of them. I guess I, I would put it that way. Agreed. Without having more context around them, I, I would not agree with either of those statements.
1: So let me comment on the on the first one that was, uh, you know,
2: you can't judge
1: Acme on two years, only one year. He was hired in April of two, 2020. That's over two years ago. And arguably the most important move for the long-term future of this organization happened that first year when he took Patrick Williams at number four. There were very good players taken after that pick. Patrick Williams played 71 games in his first season. He was handed a starting spot. To help jumpstart his development. A spot, in my opinion, he did not deserve. And you're telling me that year doesn't count? But I'm the meathead. Anyhow, part two. Acme is thinking three to five years out. Was he thinking three years out when he traded away our first pick in 2025? I don't know. That sure seems like to me that move was intended to get better now and the future be damned. I don't know if we have a second round pick for the next four years. All I heard were complaints about the... Previous team trading around second round picks. The, our focus has been two, one to two years out, as opposed to three to five. I'm fine with that, but don't give me any mouth breather arguments that this guy's thinking three to five years out. That was the biggest critique of the previous team. They all they did was think three to five years out, and I can understand that argument. What what are we talking about? Like, I don't know, man. I I, I just I grow really tired of these type of arguments. Looking through. Acme colored rose glasses. Let's get serious about the moves and be honest to what's going on. He made some great moves. He made some bad moves. But as far as I can tell, the only argument I've seen for why we're going to get better right now is because Acme will figure it out. And I I don't play that game. Do you believe that? Do you, do you, do you have that much unwavering faith in what these guys have done so far that you're going to feel calm and say, yeah, it's going to work out? I, How do you feel? I about? have
2: no uh, faith. Really, in Acme, doing anything? I mean, I, I made this comment, and if you oh want to go gosh. back, well, that's a little hard. If you want to go back, well, you use the word faith. Like, I don't have faith. I'll judge them based on what they do. Like, there's no reason that I think these guys are better than the last guys, to be honest. And I know everyone hates that because packs is here for so long, and you know whatever. But that that was a, a general management group that. Built two really good groups of teams. Rebuilt pretty quickly a couple times. They definitely failed and sucked the last five years they were here. Um, but it was time to but, go. But and that's fine. Yep. Like I'm not arguing bring them back or anything. But no. but they never put the team in bad financial positions. You know, they always had flexibility. They traded a lot of guys away early when they realized they weren't going to work out, and they got extra draft picks for them. You know, like they always looked towards the future flexibility. And I think even though they never ended up landing them outside of Derek Rose, they're always like hunting stars. You know, like they traded away guys like Tyrus Thomas and James Johnson and uh, Nikola Miritich and Thabo Sefolosha, and like these guys all for future first round picks. Like when they realized, yeah, these guys aren't going to do anything special. Like they, they were willing to move on from their own guys and and they didn't take on bad deals. So, you know, they always never put you in a position that was that bad to get out of. And even though people said, like, this roster was so talentless, you know, when they left it, it was like, all right, there's the worst contract on the books was Felicio for like one year and $8 million. And they had a bunch of guys who were young on rookie deals that still were viewed as having some upside. You know, Kobe White had, what was like, a average nearly 30 points a game for a couple of weeks at the end of his rookie season. You don't think he had trade value in the summer? That has then since declined Great in point. two years. Like, you know, they could have yeah. moved him earlier, and they didn't. Um, and I might not have either. I'm not saying. It, but, you know, there's you, Wendell Carter clearly had some, some trade value. You wish you would have kept him, and you didn't probably. I guess we're going to get into the moves in a bit. But, you know, so I, it's not like this roster had, like, no hope. Lowry was able to fetch a first-round pick in trade, even if it was a crappy one. And, you know, you could have moved on from him earlier and probably gotten more, uh, you know, something I also said they should have done at the time. So, you know, it's just, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't think like they came into some like crazy impossible position, you know, where it was like, wow, we've, we've got no assets and a bunch of bad contracts and we're out all our first round picks. You know, they had all their future first round picks still. So, you know, it, it, I mean, like if, if this team like sucks next year, and, and you start thinking, like, man, what did these guys do because they traded away a bunch of future assets and the team is bad and it has a bunch of bad contracts on it? You know, like, this, this GM group with their aggressiveness has a chance to leave this team in just an absolute, just horrifically bad state uh, in, a, in a couple of years. And their, their moves seem geared around that. Now, if they are successful and they bring in the right players and, you know, Patrick Williams pans out and they're able to, to get Booch back on track or trade him or whatever, like... You know they've also increased the ceiling for this team a lot while, while sacrificing some of that future, and maybe that sacrifice will be worth it if, if they're able to put together the right pieces around them. But they definitely are, are playing high risk. They're not concerned with a lot of things, like in terms of, of keeping the future open, which is why I said I disagree with that statement. Now, I mean, again, I'm not saying that's a direction you have to worry about. You, you, don't necess- you don't, shouldn't always look three to five years in the future. I'm not saying you have to do that. But, you know, this is a team that, that definitely has been willing to sacrifice a lot of the future in order to try and pump up the today. And that might be something exactly what this fan base needed, and I think that's why you see such positive views of them from everyone is everyone's really excited to not be so bad. it's been a long time. So, you know, that was a great shot in the arm. It, it's just really like whether you can sustain it or not is, is going to determine if that was really a good thing to do.
1: Well, let me just start off by saying – I agreed it was time for Pax and Gar to go. No doubt about it. They had plenty of time. I thought they did from 2007 to 2011. As good as you can do as a GM with drafting Rose, drafting Noah, drafting Taj, drafting Butler, and even hiring Tibbs to change the culture in that five-year period. That's as good as it gets in terms of GMs in this city. Not just in, in basketball, in any sport, but... The last five years, the last four years, and the the hiring of Boylan is a fireable offense. They needed to go, and it was time for a change. I completely support Acme. I liked a lot of their moves. I supported almost all of their moves. You did not for one notable one, which we'll get to. We're going to go deep dive on their moves. What I don't understand is just the moronic... Statements the three, five years out, that's one of the dumbest things I've heard. Everything they're trying to do is to keep Zach Levine here, right? That was the whole goal. Get better now so we can keep him here. And after his press conference, if he walks, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think it's very unlikely that Zach Levine will not be a bull. But if for some reason he just leaves without any compensation – That is a disaster of epic proportions, considering the moves that we made to get better now. We weren't building for the future. We're building for get better now to keep Zach Levine. And if that backfires, I think we're in serious trouble as an organization, not for just this year, for four years out. Because we don't have our 2023 pick or the 25 pick or second round picks. We've moved a ton of future assets to get better now. And for people just to say, well, Acme will figure it out, is stupid. And it's moronic. Call it like it is. Call it like it is. Don't see things through Acme colored glasses. Say if they made a good move or say if they didn't. I'm upset, Doug, because of the continuity claim. That this team needs just another year to be together to build continuity. Your goal should be to get the rotting carcass of Vucevic off this roster. He's not going to get better. You need to remove him from the roster, admit your mistake, and move on. Am I wrong? Do you disagree with that statement?
2: It's funny because in a way I do. And you'd think that's really surprising because there's no bigger Vucevic hater than me. Um, But but I hated the trade. And, And so the thing is, like, his value is what it is, which is like none. And we have no other centers. So you're effectively saying trade Vucevic for someone at the same position that's better than Vucevic. And like that's just not a feasible thing to do. So like, I don't think you're going to improve by doing that, most likely. If you can, if you can find someone who's going to give you a better center than Vucevic for Vucevic, go for it. But I like it's just not the type of trade that's likely on the table. His value is too low. And so you might be better off hoping he just works on his three all season and next year hits him. I don't know. But I, I, I mean, I'm open to trading him, like clearly open to trading him. I just think what you get back is going to be so poor. And this was one of these arguments people made with me when I said the trade was really bad. They're like, well, you can just trade Vucevic for two first round picks in a couple of years if it doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and, and I said that was BS. And I, I might, you know, I might be wrong, but I think you might have even been someone who made such a statement that you could trade Vuce later if it didn't work out. I think you're wrong. I think okay, wrong. I won't. I won't accuse you of it, but and I'm not gonna go back and look. I don't. I don't really care. Somebody whether, will find it. I'm sure <laughs> whether whether you said that or whether somebody else said that. Now we'll assume it was someone else. Maybe, it was, but maybe it was even our buddy Mark. But but people said things like that. And I'm like, why do you think that he's he's like an aging player? His value is gonna recede. You know, it's just a ridiculous statement. So I think now you're stuck where like like Vucevic on an expiring deal is just not gonna bring back something attractive. And probably your best case is, is to keep him. Now maybe you can find a Ben Simmons Harden like move where this guy that's not working out for you can be traded to another team for a guy that's not working out for them. And I brought up Gobert, you know, as is like an option there. I'd be scared to death of taking on Gobert's contract. But like that's a that's a trade that maybe, depending on the situation, you know, something like that could happen where if, if no one else wants Gobert, which I don't think he's gonna have any value around the league. But I could be wrong because it only takes one team to say, like, man, this guy could be great for me. So we'll, we'll see how all of that goes. But I think it's just going to well, be tough to do that. I think it's going to be tough to move on from, from Vooch. And if you do, you're probably going to feel really bad about what you get back and think, why did we, we do this? And, and it would be interesting because if they trade him for something crappy, which is, I think, all you're going to get, it's also admitting a huge mistake. Like, you trade it for this dude. He sucked for you for two years, and then you got back like a role player. You gave up the number eight pick, Wendell Carter Jr., and another future first to get a player that's probably not even as good as Wendell Carter Jr. back. That's what that's going to look like. And I, I don't. I just it would be it would make sense to do that even if that's the case. If you get better because you can't have sunk cost mentality, but man, very few people are willing to to do that type of thing. Uh, and we've not seen Acme move on from any of their own moves yet. So we'll see. Like, they've been aggressive about blowing up the roster. It's easy to complain about someone else's crap. It's like the, you know, the contractor that comes to your house and bitches about the last guy who was there. Like, it's easy to trade someone else's guys. You know, we've not seen them be willing to move any of their own guys yet. And that'll be an intriguing piece of this offseason, I think.
1: Listen, I'm not going to say that Vucevic sucks. I'm not a blind Vuce hater. I supported the trade. He does certain things that are extremely beneficial for this team. Like being the, the least efficient center in the NBA? Well, he rebounds the basketball very well defensively. Great. He's a good defensive rebounder. He passes, I think, fairly well. But I agree with you. Like I Overall, for us, to me, the big reason he was a I'll I'll say it one more time, and then I'll stop pounding this drum. He was brought here to bring out bigs by hitting threes. Which he was doing when he was acquired from Orlando. For a he whole
2: one him. half season of his career. He, he was still doing did it in high for volume. One I understand half that. season. For Doug, one Doug half season. You gambled on him doing that acme, for one half season. Doug. Doug one in half season. That's, acme. It. That's how long he did it. He did it one half season at the time we made the trade. His whole career. One half season. Yep, he's a shooter. One half season, he did it. Great shooter. Thirty-two, one half season. In defensive acme. You do not expect
1: someone shooting 40% on six attempts per game for to one half fall season to 31%.
2: For one half season in his whole career. Yes, you do. You don't expect no, you don't. a guy who's You don't 30. expect him to fall and, at 31%. You do. 31% is an atrocity. No, you, you
1: don't. You expect a no, guy who's had one half season of good maybe. shooting
2: in 10 years. You don't project that out forward. It's stupid. If you, if you play basketball for 10 years – and you did something for one half a year. I would not say that I am confident in your ability to do that going forward.
1: Doug, do you really believe? Did you were you confident? Did you feel the odds of him falling to thirty one percent
2: were high? I said, I said he would not maintain his shooting percentage, and he had no history of it at the time That's of fine. the trade. Yes, and I and I agree too. I didn't
1: think it was likely he would maintain at a forty percent forty percent rate. I expected a decline. Yes, the 37, 36, 35 all acceptable
2: percentages. 35%. Not 31. 35% is not acceptable. It, it's more acceptable than 31.
1: Well, it's that's a mountain yeah, yeah. of difference. 31
2: is more acceptable than 22. I mean, it's still not acceptable.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> just saying the amount of decline from where he was as a three-point shooter yeah. is is awe-inspiring. All right, it's right, jaw-dropping. We're let's not going to talk about let's it. Let's go into let's go into moves. Where was I going? We're, 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 we're going to moves I,
2: Let's start on this move since we're already talking about it. It's a fucking train wreck. It's an F minus. It's one of the worst (laughs) trades the Bulls have ever made. It's a goddamn train wreck. It could not be any worse. It is awful. So that's it. Because there's a part of this trade I forgot. I'm going to sum this up for you in a couple couple things of why this is so bad. Besides the fact that Orlando already has two players better than Vucevic who are young and going to get even better. And that we took on Amino to get dead salary, which cost us – to give up That's a first-round pick to get uh, DeMar DeRozan because we had to force San Antonio. Antonio to take that, that, that yeah. dead salary. So it, it was just awful. But here, here's why Vooch is nowhere near as good as even you think he was when he was shooting 40% from three. 80% of his three-point attempts this year, 80%, were wide open, no one within six feet. It was the second-highest. Percentage of wide open attempts of anyone in the league. Vuce McCullough. is shooting more open threes than anyone in the league. Makoa, you shooting thirty one percent? That's the highest percentage of the league. You know what? Lonzo Ball shoots on those types of attempts, or Zach Levine shoots on those types of attempts forty nine and forty seven percent. Wow! So you you wow. when you are wide open, forty percent is not even that great of a rate in the league. Like the thirty five percent is the league average. But that includes something like 50% of the attempts being contested, you know, which are much lower percentages. 40, like The league average on wide open attempts is probably around 40%. And so when Vooch was even shooting 40%, that was not even special because of his shot attempt like criteria. So, so what did he shoot? Uh, one more time. On open threes, what did On he On wide shoot? open threes, he shot 32% this year.
1: That's... That's... That's no
2: one me. within six feet. And then his... Uh, then, and then, I think it was like, I want to say it's like 80% of his shots were wide open, and then like 19% were open, which was a guy like four to six feet away or something like that, whatever the NBA criteria is. Did you say that was the lowest in the league? Is he had right? the most... No, he had the most attempts uh, that were wide open in the league, like by percentage. It was like second most.
1: Second most, behind two. I don't, I
2: don't remember. Someone, someone pointed out to me on Twitter. I didn't verify that part myself, so I shouldn't be so, so, so safe about it. But 80% of wide open attempts is like insane. Like Zach Levine is like 20% of his, or 25% of his shots are wide open. So, I mean, it's, it's, the quality of his shot attempts are so high, he should be hitting over 40%. If there is no one within six feet of me, Fred, I shoot 40% from yes. the NBA three-point line.
1: I played with you. So, same with me. So, same so, with me. So, I mean,
2: it's just, it's ridiculous. So, it's, when people say he's a good shooter, he's not. He's not a good shooter. Like, maybe he'll do something this offseason, but he's not. So, just, like, people, like, we just got to get him back on track because he had one good year. And that's, like, if, if something happened 11 times, like, in 10 times in one year it didn't happen, like, people are like, oh, the one year it didn't happen, that's the anomaly. No one's like, well, the 10 years he didn't shoot well, that's, that's, that's the anomaly. The one year he shot 40%, that's the expectation. It's just, oh, I, I don't understand that.
1: All the defenders that are coming out of the woodwork, let, let me tell, announce this right now. This is an intervention for all you Vooch defenders right now. Because if you, I've heard excuse after excuse after excuse. For a 30-year-old in his prime, two-time All-Star, you're willing to give excuse after excuse. But you weren't willing to give those same excuses to a 21-year-old Wendell Carter Jr., the same one's like, well, what about his perimeter defense? Look at all the mess that Vucevic has to clean up. Really? Compared to Wendell Carter Jr. last year? There are three perimeter defenders on this team who played for large swaths of the season who are better than anybody that Wendell Carter Jr. had around him last year. And that's Caruso, that's Ball, and it's Io. Who did he have that was good on the perimeter last year? It was a train wreck! That's the excuses I hear for Vooch. And this other idea, do you believe if Wendell Carter wouldn't have progressed in Chicago, he, 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 really, really, I, I don't know, maybe having a guy draw double teams like, um, like DeMar DeRozan, 35 feet out, I think that would probably help him. What do you think, Doug? Do you think he has more or less defensive attention in Orlando than he would in Chicago? More or less. What do you think, Doug?
2: I'm guessing maybe more.
1: Probably more in Orlando, but Probably. no, he wouldn't have progressed here. It it's unfreaking believable the dumb arguments I've heard for why this is still a good deal. It's not a good deal. In fact, if you call Orlando today and ask them, Hey, all right, you guys won. You got two you got two first rounders from us, but we want a trade back. We want Wendell Carter back. What do you think they'd say? Would Wendell not Carter trade for Vuc. Wendell Carter they would Vuc laugh. straight up. They would yeah. not. They would not trade him straight up. In fact, they'd laugh their asses off. I, I'd want Wendell Carter Jr. back. I'd make that trade today. And if you wouldn't, then you're a biased hack. There's no argument you can make for why Vooch is a better answer for this team going forward than Wendell Carter Jr. He was p- worse defensively then, and he's worse defensively now, Vucevic than Wendell Carter Jr. And he's not even as good of a three-point shooter anymore. Oh, and I, I totally forgot about the Aminu part of that trade, Doug. That, Aminu was, he's clearly not an NBA player anymore. He was dead then. He was not a worthwhile NBA player. We took on that stupid contract and gave up those two pricks. That is an F trade in retrospect. I supported it then. You got to admit your mistakes. I was wrong. It's an F.
2: I, I, I could rip on this trade in so many ways, but there's no point. I've already done it. We've just right, probably so spent that, 10 minutes on That was on a it.
1: big, big fat failure. Big fat failure. Uh, DeRozan, 2022 second rounder for Thad, and I could just hear him now. What about all the, the – DeRozan wanted to
2: come here for Vooch. Uh, shut up. That's not true. As as I have said, after DeRozan came here, the Bulls were expected to win 39 games. The team he was on was expected to win more games. He didn't come here because it was a winner. Like, no no argument because like, Vooch like, was He just here. didn't. Yeah, he yeah. just didn't. So, I mean, it's, it's if fine. If Wendell
1: Carter was here, he would have said no. Yeah, he, yeah. I'm sure he would have stayed in San Francisco. No, he
2: would, have, he would have said, I'd rather give up, like, $70 million. <laughs> I, don't, I dislike Wendell Carter Jr. that much. <laughs> that much,
1: exactly. Keep, keep my Not $70 million.
2: Um, and,
1: This is what we have to put up with. Go
2: anyway, re- regardless, um, so DeRozan trade. Is that, that's where we're going next? Next move we're yes, discussing? The Rosen trade. I, it's an A-plus, right? Like, look, I just gave yeah. him an F-minus for Vucevic. You got a guy who played at a probably top 15 type level at times in the season, top five type level, probably individually added at least five, six wins to this team and was the biggest part of a playoff win. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's an A plus. You gave up a future first round pick, but it's got pretty good protection on it. And um, yeah, it's, it's a great move. Now, whether... You can expand on that move to do anything, and Derosen's timeline is, is questionable. But, you know, we had a great, enjoyable season, largely because of that move. And I think we'll have an enjoyable season next year, and it'll be largely because of that move. So I, I, I give that one an A+.
1: I do, too. Thad Young was a great player for us, a very good player. You, you did I, Thad Young's dead now, though. I mean, like, I'm saying like, it wasn't like we gave up nothing. We gave up, we a, gave up two, nothing. We, we gave, gave up, up a 2025 first round pick. That could be that's, like if it's number that's, 11, 12, 13, 14. It, it's yeah, not yeah. nothing. It's not nothing. That could be something. but It's no nothing doubt, relative is,
2: I mean, to what DeRozan did for us.
1: Absolutely agree. A And it was funny because that was the one trade that I was screaming for. And and it was, I think, in general, the least celebrated move of this, org- of this front office. And it was clearly their best one. Yeah, so bizarre. I, we fantastic. both
2: loved it at the time. You know, A plus. So a plus, a and, it, and it turned out great.
1: Great move, and all you got the the decaying carcass of Aminu off the roster. A plus. Ball sign and trade for Temple Sato in twenty twenty four second rounder. Uh, twenty I, million a year for four years.
2: I'd, I'd give it a you know a a B B plus B minus. I don't know somewhere in there. You know there was like a lot of risk of Lonzo being hurt. He's hurt every year, and he was hurt again this year. But you really saw how great the fit went in. When he's healthy, you know, if Lonzo can stay healthy for a few years, it's, it's a great move. Even if he doesn't, I think it was a smart move in terms of the fit and you gambled on his health. And even if you lost that gamble, it was a gamble worth taking. So even if it doesn't work out in the end, I would still give it, you know, a better grade because the logic behind it made sense to me and, and still makes sense today. When I look at like the Vooch trade as an example, I don't want to get long into it. But I said at the time of the trade, I think Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be better than Vooch within two years. So I think Vooch is going to fall off really quickly. And you're going to give up these two first-round draft picks. You're going to take on bad salary. You're too far away to get anything to happen. Like, I predicted all of those things were, like, like, they weren't brilliant predictions. Those were all things that were obvious and things that were likely to happen. And all of those things happened. And, you know, with the ball trade, it's like it's a toss-up. Maybe this guy stays healthy. And if he does, he's going to really help you out. And we saw that this year when Ball was healthy and everyone was healthy. This was like a number one seed in the East. And so even if Ball's unable to stay healthy, that's like, to me, it's a wild card. Like, like you can say, like, yeah, he's probably not going to be super healthy, but like, this was his biggest injury year of his career by far. So, um, you know, like some risk there, but and that's why I didn't, maybe wouldn't give it an A, but the fact that he got it only for a second round pick. Uh, I thought was really great. Like the negotiation, there was really strong. Didn't give up anything meaningful, so uh, I, I go solid B. I
1: agree with everything you said, so I'm not even going to, to you know add anything to it. Everything you said was right on. Tice sign and trade for cash and, and a player exception, which I don't think they used. Correct me if I'm wrong.
2: Yeah, they had not used it. They still could use it. I I don't know. It's I'd, I'd say it's a probably what like a. a See, I mean, I I think they just didn't. We could have used Tice. I'm trying to go back in my head, and I feel like I'm wondering if we could have kept Tice and still done the other moves we did, and I'm not sure if that's true. Would a sign Um, and trade
1: lock this in, like uh, hard cap? I, I I'm not sure if
2: we were close enough to the tax that we would have no longer been able to do the other sign and trades. I think we could have kept Tice and still done everything else. We used the MLE on Caruso, so yeah. I mean, Tice definitely would have helped helped the roster a lot. Um, but they, they didn't like him, and they got, whatever, they got some cash and a trade exception that gives them a little flexibility to do something later. So if you didn't like a guy uh, and you didn't want him on your roster, and I, I, mean, I think we both thought Tice could have helped us, and, and looking at this year, he clearly could have helped us. So, um, and I don't think he's on a bad deal now. So maybe a little bit poor decision to get rid of him. But if you go into this season, you start thinking, like, how you would keep him with the tax and other stuff. You know, I'm I'm okay with the move. I, I don't think it's a good or bad move. It's just it's a I neutral have, move. I haven't
1: lost. Yeah, so neutral on it. I'm neutral on it. Uh, I, I I don't lose su- sleep over his absence. Signings: Caruso, uh, MLE, slightly less than a full MLE. I
2: I give that an A plus plus. Yeah, same. Caruso, it we love Caruso. And I I <laughs> was not a big fan of it. Move. I was not a big fan of it at the time. I I wasn't a believer, but I'm a believer now. So you know, in in the sense I said, I predicted everything that happened with the boots trade. I uh, I completely underestimated Crusoe. I'm sorry, Alex. You're amazing.
1: Yeah, this along with the Rosen, I mean, this alone has made them overall a positive. That's why I'm very happy that Acme has taken over. I think they're doing a good job based on these two moves. My whole point is, you got to be honest and not, you know, criticize the ones that are bad because some of them have been very bad, and not just say, "Well, they'll figure it out." Maybe I hope so. We get more moves like
2: that, but if we it, get more moves like the Vooch one, then we're in big freaking trouble. They have assets Green. to work with, and that's that's the tricky thing about going forward. Is it, and, and I said this before: like you are going to have not a lot to. You don't have a lot of future picks you can trade. You just kind of don't have as much you can do going forward. Bradley Green, Thomas, the vet minimum deals. Um, maybe C. Bradley, I like Bradley. really solid and the other guys and green, I think has been really solid for a vet deal. I know we, yes. you think he is overplayed and I, I don't, I, I mean, I agree with you, but he's a nice guy to, I mean, for a vet guy, you know, most sure. vet guys like compare him to Thomas or Alizé Johnson, <laughs> you know, like he's, you know, you would, you wouldn't feel bad if he was like the 10th guy and he just didn't play every other game and came in for 15 minutes when he did play. And, you know, like if he had that role, you'd, you'd be okay with him as a guy on your bench but you know the fact that he's playing 20 minutes every night is is the problem uh not the value you got on a vetman deal i think is a great vetman signing so i guess in bradley I, I don't know why we didn't use more i agree you know i, I it was kind that's, of weird to me. that's nuts to me but you know those those two guys to me were great minimum signings the other two are forgettable if you hit half your minimum signings as, as guys who can be meaningful for your team i think you've done a good job so i'd probably say b now that i, I look at it that way they
1: gave the qualifying offer to Valentine. Yes, that was done by Acme. Valentine was here due to Acme. It, they kind of let him walk. They gave a F kilo minus to him. Uh, I I actually <clears throat> thought he played a lot better than people would give him credit for. But again, boy, that's this surprising, is just a reminder. Valentine was <laughs> better than other people. <laughs> this is this is <laughs> a reminder to everybody that. who thinks that they're perfect. They are responsible for bringing Valentine in last season. Temple was to me a very good signing. I
2: like yeah. Temple Temple was a good signing. Give that a solid, solid B. I mean, maybe even for the type of signing it was, it's an A. And um, yeah, Valentine, I I, I joke F minus, but whatever. It it was a C move. It didn't matter one way or the other. Yeah, I I wouldn't have done it, but it wasn't. Didn't hurt anything.
1: Next move, uh, listening to me instead of the dopes cheering for uh,
2: Mini Cooper, IO drafting IO. (laughs) That is an A plus, right? a plus i mean come on and then how can then you possibly argue that you followed up that a plus of drafting io with an f minus by giving him the two-year deal and Simonovich the three-year deal <laughs> and, and it actually has a significant impact on the bulls ability to keep io later um which which will take a lot of the shine potentially off of that a plus move so they had the option to give him a th-
1: three-year vet minimum deal they
2: could offer three years to one of the two guys and they they gave it to uh, Samonovich. So they had a little bit of the MLE left, so they signed, they signed Simonovic using part of the MLE that they didn't use on Caruso. And so with that, they can offer three years or four years even if they wanted to. But three years Boy, makes him a restrictive street. free agent at the end of the three years, uh, so they did that. I think in Simonovic's case, the last year is not guaranteed, so he's only guaranteed two. But the option to take the third year and then make him a restrictive free agent where you have full bird rights means they can keep him really easily. Not that I that's going to happen. No, IO is restricted. Uh, but he is on a two-year deal signed with a vet min. You can't sign a vet min guy to a three-year deal. So we only have early bird rights on IO. And if someone else offers IO more than the amount we can, uh, the more than mid-level exception, the contract gets structured really weird. So a team, say IO blows up next year. A team could offer IO after next season four years, $80 million, and it counts as $20 million a year on their books. But it would count as... Like ten million, ten million, thirty million, thirty million on our books, if we match mm-hmm. it, and that that makes it like complicated. So we still can keep IO, but it's it it is going to put us in a weird contract spot potentially if we do so. Well,
1: I got to bring this bus in. I got thirty seconds overall. Give me a grade for the job Acne has done in two years, not one.
2: In two in years. two years, uh, you know, I give him probably overall a B minus. You know, I think they, they brought the team up. I'm really concerned about what they're going to do in the future and where they can build from here. Uh, if they figure out a way to turn this into something good, then, then they could upgrade to an A. But right now I give them a B- because I think they've really put themselves, opened up a lot of risks, and I'm not sure that the gains they've had offset those appropriately.
1: I'd give them a B. Uh, it would be an A if, uh, you know, for everything outside of the Vooch deal, which was in retrospect a catastrophe, I'm, I'm shocked. If you, trade, if you just didn't make that trade, if you just didn't make it. that
2: trade, this team would be amazing right now. If you could just unwind that one thing, you know, think if you had uh, Wagner hitting threes for you and Carter, and going into the future and what your future would look like with those guys on the roster, and Carter's on a great deal now too. So, yeah, um, I agree. I would give him an A if it weren't for that trade. But aggressive people, they make a lot of moves, and you can't win them all. I don't like. You know, there's still a B is still above average. We're both saying above average.
1: All right, maybe. Until next time, we'll give grades uh, for the players in the next show. Godspeed, my friend, and I'll be back on Twitter next week. Have a good one,
2: brother. All right, go Bulls.
0: Hey, what's up? It's Emily. And I'm pretty sure that compassionate, coordinated healthcare is something on the top of everyone's mind. That is why I love Live by Advantia Health. From primary care to mental health and gynecology to obstetrics, Live understands these are all connected and important to you. Live is a membership-based practice in the heart of D.C. that prioritizes your experience. Plus, Live accepts all major insurance. So take charge of your healthcare on your schedule and choose Live. Learn more and become a member by searching for Live by Advantia. L-I-V by Advantia.